Okay, everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is the Lighthouse London podcast. I'm Tom back again. And with me today, I have two guests, Matt from Makeable and Joanna from Friends of the Earth. Hey, guys. Hey, Hi. good to be here. Thank you very much for coming down. We're going to talk. Thanks about, for having us. <laughs> yeah, cool. No worries. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things today. But am I right in thinking that Makeable is part of the Friends of the Earth startup in residence project? Yep, correct. Cool. Why don't we start off with Makeable? So, do you want to give us a little background to you and how the uh, the project came about and where you're at right now? Sure. So, the idea of Makeable is trying to answer this question of how do we know that the money we give to charity actually makes a difference? Some like so many of the changes that happen in like people, society, environment is quite hard to track, and if we could make that more trackable, then people would probably give more money to charity, but also charities could better understand how impactful they are, where they can improve. And so they could actually become more effective themselves. So ultimately what we care about at Makeable is changing the world faster. That's like the whole mission behind it. But I guess where it came from is that whole thing of making things happen faster uh, probably comes from my degree in chemistry, which is what I studied. Cool. I was always like fascinated by like catalysis. Like how do you make this reaction happen faster? It's like proper geeked out on that. Uh, and while I was at uni, I started sponsoring a child because that's what my parents had always done. But after a few months, I realized that I just couldn't quite afford this £15 a month payment. So I cancelled it. And a year later, I had this idea of if I just got my mates to put in a quid each, we could sponsor a kid for a quid. So we started this campaign, put it about on campus. And we ended up with about 150 students who were all sponsoring this like different awesome. children with world vision and when that won a channel four ideas factory award it just made me think i should take this more seriously and chemistry wasn't really doing it for me <laughs> um but what i realized i did enjoy was coming up with campaigns and marketing and stuff like that so after like working in advertising i then like got the funds together to start makeable and and now we are where we are where we've got like our first set of charity clients using the platform awesome. getting some really good feedback and started working with friends of the earth which has been a massive endorsement cool that's so, great how long have you been working this for now so we launched the first version of the product in november 2014 but i quit my job to start working on it in may 2013 that's when we like first started on the product development mm -hmm. and so how did you approach all that like how did you go is it just you working on it at the start or how big yeah, is the so team or? at the start it was it was just me um and i kind of had got some grants together like about 2k and I had like 4k in savings and I was like toying with how am I going to approach building this product mm -hmm. um and I knew that I needed like a programmer and I remember meeting a guy who said instead of spending your 6k on programming you yourself should learn to code mm -hmm. but I was like I want to get this done in six months <laughs> so I ended up hiring a guy who I met through a network I was part of at the time this guy based in Paris um, part of the sandbox network of like people under 30 who are working on like entrepreneurial things. And he, for like 5K, built like the alpha version of the product, which was really cool. Nice. And then there was a design agency that I'd had a relationship with from my advertising days who were like, okay, we can do the design on this. It's going to cost like seven and a half K, but we're not going to charge you until you've got like cash in the bank, like post. Cool. Uh, like post your raise That's which didn't happen for like a whole year later so they were like so cool and just extending us that line of credit and so that's how we were able to kind of like get stuff funded and then with some of the money that I had also then hired some other people to like work on marketing and that's where like my co-founder came from mm -hmm. Annabelle because she came on board to like help recruit charities 
And so that's kind of how we, we got going at the start, like finding an individual developer, a design agency that was really flexible, and then just some individuals who I knew who initially started as freelancers. And then, yeah, one then invested and became our CTO for a year. He left his job at Goldman Sachs to like work on Makeable. And then Annabelle stayed on and has like, yeah, become co-founder. Awesome. That's amazing to get that kind of credit at the start to help you along. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah, without that, kind of being stuck in the water. And I think with startups, you've got your idea and you think it's great, but how you present it to the outside world is so key. Mm. And so even though it seemed expensive, it might have seemed expensive, like investing seven and a half K just in design, like the logo that we came out with and the branding has like stood us in good stead to this mm. day. It's one of the things that people still remark on about Makeable, the fact that UX and the design is like playful, but sophisticated, even like a big foundation we were speaking with today, we're like, yeah, this is really cool. We spoke with someone at Diffid actually last week and I quote, he was like, this is cool. <laughs> like we've really taken something that's boring, yeah. like monitoring the impact of different projects and made it feel really fun. And I think, yeah, the investment in kind of like design and branding really helped with that. I mean, it's a big thing to to do, isn't it? You know, if if you can take something that is a bit boring, like you say, and, and then give it like a nice spin, then people connect with stuff much better in it and it proves something that people enjoy using a lot more. Precisely. So, yeah, definitely. No, seven half k seems a lot to invest in design, but it sounds like it's paid off. So that's that's brilliant. So, so where's the tool at right now? I mean, you say you've got a bunch of partners on board. How many people are using it? So we've got about ten charities that are using it at the moment, and we're speaking with foundations about them essentially buying it in bulk so that the hundreds of charities that they support can use it as well. One of the things that we've been experimenting with is just like the best route to market. The charity sector is so broad. You get like 80,000 charities. Half of the charities in the UK have a turnover under 10K. Mm. And then you get like another like 10K with turnovers over 5 million and then 70K with like between 10K and 5 million. Mm. So figuring out how to reach charities at scale is something that we've been like trying to figure out what's the best route. So going direct to individual charities probably works with the larger ones because they, like I guess like it would pay off. But with the smaller ones, I think going through foundations mm. and other partners is what's going to prove useful. So while we haven't focused too much recently on customer acquisition, what we have been able to get is some really good user data from the charities that have used it, which is giving us really healthy stats like, it's doubling the productivity of volunteers because the gamification within Makeable makes people feel much more accountable and proud of the work they're doing. Or it's like doubling the um, or halving the um, time spent on data collection by management staff because frontline workers are now inputting data directly through the app or through the platforms. They don't need to be chased by email, phone, mm. etc. Stuff doesn't need to be typed up from an Excel spreadsheet. So that data is really valuable. And I think we'll see like a big increase in our number of customers, hopefully over the next few months, as we can start deploying these partnership strategies, which we can do because we've got this compelling user data. That's awesome. And that's some really great stats. And I can see why people would really value a tool like that. I mean, how, how did you come up with the, the kind of the gamification side of stuff? How did you develop that and go from like an idea of something you might do to actually something that was effective when you put it into practice? So one of the things I learned because I've had like various kind of business project ideas over time. And one of the things I learned was that when I do stuff by myself, 
like it's just going to go wrong. So <laughs> I really felt it was important from early, as early as 2012, me and three friends, like there was a guy who was like a banker, another guy in marketing, another guy who was a social entrepreneur. We'd meet up every month and literally just discuss the makeable concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was so valuable because we would like draw stuff on paper, basic wireframes. And I'd speak with people like my girlfriend at the time and others. I remember going to a wedding with one of these guys and I remember him saying, Matt, the idea of us having on Makeable a way to track the impact of your projects, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a little bank and it was like, you've helped four kids? Because before that, we were like, we just wanted to have stories. Mm. He was like, what if there was like, we itemized it? And I was like, that's a really good idea. And then I remember speaking with another guy and we, when we were talking about it, we were like, wait, if we're going to itemize it, why don't we have icons for this and have badges for it? And so we did that. And then I remember speaking with someone else who was like, well, if you're going to itemize everything, why don't we put together all of the items as like a central number, which is your change score, mm-hmm. which is like the total impact you've made. And so there were all of these incremental improvements that we were making even before the idea was formed that really made it what it is. And so people then looked at people then look back at it and they're like, wow, you've got gamification. The only reason I know that word is because people said yeah, we've yeah, put yeah, gamification yeah. into it. it, but we weren't trying to put in gamification. Just we were just went. thinking, how do we make something cool? Yeah. And I think in so doing, you do things that really work. Another thing with Makeable is that it feels like a social network. And that was done on purpose because from the outset, I felt if we're going to build a product, then I want it to feel something that's really usable. Facebook, everyone uses it no one needs to be told to use facebook well you do now because it's it's got a bit boring but (laughs) back in the day everyone was scrambling to get on it and it was like so why don't we have a news feed why don't we give people a profile why don't we have notifications because why don't we apply these concepts people are familiar with to something that's a different industry and i think one of the things that i've really tried to hold on to is like an innovation principle is not reinventing the wheel like if you've got a great idea then that's enough then just wrap it in things that people are familiar with because then it'll be so much easier for them to adopt. So building it on that social network chassis Mm. has meant that it's given it something that's different. But the fact that we're making impact monitoring built into a social network, that is innovative. But it's actually quite basic. It's like social network, straightforward. Impact monitoring, boring, but straightforward. Just combine the two. Just a new spin on that. That thing can really make a difference, yeah. Hey, this is Laura from Lighthouse. Our product sprints are the perfect way to get ideas validated and in front of customers in just a few days. To find out more, head over to wearelighthouse.com slash product sprint. So how do you take, uh, stay on top of your kind of roadmap and where you're going and all these, um, sounds like you're the kind of guy that has ideas all the time, right? And, and probably all the people around you as well. So how do you manage that? Uh, GitHub is my friend. Okay. Um, <laughs> so being able to put ideas down in GitHub is like issues for the future. Yep. Set them against milestones that are months ahead means that there can be constant thinking in terms of new things, but it, not everything needs to happen now. That, that has really, really helped. Um, because before that, uh, there'd be endless PowerPoint presentations and mm-hmm. I'd probably be annoying our CTO at the time being like, here's an idea, let's implement it now. We were, we were using spreadsheets to kind of keep track of different suggestions. But I think organizing it that way has really, has really helped. And we do have 
a roadmap and every now and again we'll update it. But again, that's mostly done using a waffle board linked to GitHub. So it's like, here's stuff that's really urgent, here's stuff that's medium priority, here's stuff that's mm-hmm. low priority. And then our developers just pick stuff off from like the important and medium priority stuff as they see fit their skill set cool. and their level of confidence. And then we're just like slowly making those those gains. Getting ideas out is important. Like yeah. getting stuff out of the brain yeah, and yeah. onto something that's shareable and discussable is key. No, I love the idea of those meetings and, and getting stuff on paper, like you're saying, just just having like a wireframe to look at or something that gets things out of people's heads into the real world. So because something that's in your head and you, you give me a concept and I might imagine something entirely different even, and that might surprise you as well. So we find that all the time with the innovation we work, work we do with people is just get it down on paper, get people discussing it, and then you can work it out from there. Um, that works really well. So you're saying you're going to have a slightly different uh, user base that you're going to talk to another foundation. So do you see the product changing for this? Is this an, another kind of uh, change in functionality or can you see different things being added on because of this customer? Yeah, I think what's great about Makeable is that it collects a lot of data. And I think now it's just a case of how do we build on additional dashboards that enable those views to be customized for different user cases. So if you're a charity, then you're going to want to have details of every perhaps individual beneficiary you're working with jill from so and so and here's all our notes about that whereas if you're a foundation you don't need to see that person's name but it's probably helpful for you to know here's the number of people like jill that have been supported number of people who've got jobs etc so we're kind of playing with privacy in terms of how do we establish privacy controls that enable charities to log data independently but knowing that they're being good stewards of people's confidential information while still enabling that top-level data to be seen. And that sounds like, again, a difficult thing to figure out, but we tried to approach it from what are people familiar with. Everyone knows how to control their privacy settings on Facebook. Um, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) Okay, maybe not everyone knows how to, but it's, it's... People, some people are familiar with, yeah. like, my profile is private, like, maybe my picture, my top cover can be seen, but no one can see the timeline. And so by using that kind of language, it's really helped us enable people who aren't too familiar with the tech to understand what we're talking about when mm-hmm. we're talking about, we don't say confidentiality, we say privacy. Because people are like, oh, yeah, privacy, I've seen that. Even if I don't fully understand it, yeah. I've seen it. But confidentiality and other and accountability and all these and data protection, mm. people start falling asleep and getting yeah. intimidated. And I think in the charity sector, especially with the smaller ones, you've got so many people like across the age spectrum who've been perhaps working on a cause for ages, but they haven't necessarily been immersed in the latest technology mm. through their careers, etc. And so us building something that is very intuitive has been really important. So that's why stuff like language, we really take seriously because we're like, how do we do it and label stuff in a way that people get and isn't going to intimidate them? I mean, that's a really good point. Messaging and the way you speak to people is such a core part of of any product or website or digital thing. You know, it's, um, I think it's something that gets glossed over quite a lot and just using you know, security versus confidentiality can actually have a much bigger impact with people and, and can see some real change. So you're kind of four years into this now. What's the biggest thing you've learned from it all? Iteration is definitely the biggest thing that I have learned. Um, because at the start, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So I think being able to fail fast is really key. And just like take risks. Because you take a risk on something, 
doesn't really matter because you're probably only exposing your platform to like 0.1% of your target market. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't matter if something's like an issue because you can address it later. So I think moving away from discussions that happen about should we do this or shouldn't we do this? And instead being like, let's just put this in place mm-hmm. and then see how it goes. But being really mindful as to do we need to make changes and constantly iterate? That's that's the key. Um, I think... I wish that I had been keener to iterate faster from the outset. But I think where we are now, we're we're really keen to do that. And I think it's quite empowering for developers, especially ones that are coming straight out of uni or some of the ones we work with are like still students. Mm. And for them to kind of go from perhaps an educational environment, which is very much about getting stuff right, to one where it's a case of just try it. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. We'll just do a rollback on Heroku to the previous version. That's yeah. okay. And then we will like change it. It's really empowering because it means that they can kind of suggest their ideas. They can do stuff and it's a very flexible environment. So you're pushing out smaller changes more often rather than these kind of big releases and stuff like that. Yeah, I've never got my head around yeah. big releases. Like on our mobile app, we wanted to do releases every week, mm-hmm. um, like every Friday, which again was actually a bit of a challenge at first with the developers. But I was like, at least every week. But on the website, I mean, sometimes it's like two or three times a week. Yeah, It's like, we put something out there, we test it on staging. Does it work? Cool, let's put it on production. Because especially if I'm having meetings with clients, I want them to see the latest version. And because we are so responsive to the feedback that comes in, um, someone will say it's important to have this kind of view. So you want to be able to use that when we're talking about it. And it's not as though there's this like big audience that's waiting for like a fanfare announcement of version three of Maker Wars come yeah, out. Yeah. Like, no one's counting. No yeah. one cares. <laughs> people, <laughs> people have got really short attention spans. Yeah. So we don't even announce when we've got a new release. We just like drop the upgrade and people just get a better user experience. Well, they notice more things, right? They might be using it next day and see something that they maybe even suggested to you guys has appeared and it's just yeah. a nice feeling to have, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the best way to do it. Those kind of like go away for six months, work on version three, launch it, and then, well, wow, great. But if you could push out three new things a week, that would be amazing. And why not? You know, you can update a website and app in seconds. So. Yeah, and that's been a real sell, actually, because in all honesty, um, we used to say to some of our charities like we are a startup there's things that we haven't put in place yet um we know that we want to start simple but if you give us suggestions then we'll do that but we used to say that reactively when people are like why doesn't it have this but then some of the charities started saying yeah that's a real positive we're like really and they're like yeah the fact that we're working with a provider who kind of has a product but is purposely trying to build in stuff that we need Mm. like that's the perfect product supplier, which we really hadn't considered. That's like a real strength. Oh, right, yeah. So now we kind of lead with that. Like, we are a startup. What you see here, here is a canvas. If you've got suggestions, we'd love to hear it. And mm. then we point out, here are things that people have suggested that we've added in. Yeah. If it's something that... Because most charities, stuff that they want, like other charities will also benefit from it. And like we don't just take stuff verbatim and implement it. We put it through our product, like philosophy and think, how do we do this in a way that feels makeable? Mm-hmm. But... Once we do that, we put it out. And I think that kind of customer-driven 
like product iteration is hopefully going to be some one of the things that stands us in good stead. I mean, definitely, you know, the traditional software products just don't work like that at all, right? And especially when you're working with organizations, large ones who are used to that sort of agreement, you've got an SLA with a company, if you bought something off the shelf, you don't really get any say into how that thing changes. But obviously there's that massive benefit of working with a startup that they're a rapidly moving company that, you know, you can say on Monday something and you might even get the update by Friday. You know, that's that's one of the huge benefits of working with people like you. So I can, I can completely understand that. Hi, this is Russ from Lighthouse. A big part of my role is planning and designing usable and effective product interfaces. Check out some of the stuff we've been working on recently at wearelighthouse.com slash our work. So I think maybe it's a good time to move on to talking about working with a charity. Um, so Friends of the Earth have been involved with Makeable as part of the Startup in Residence um, program. Do you want to, Joanna, give us a little bit um, of a background to how that came about and where you're at right now and, and how Makeable has been a part of that? Sure. The idea of starting this project of the Startup in Residence came about, so it was before I joined the organization, mm-hmm. actually. But we're really keen to tap into this immense tech community and knowledge that exists in London. And we as a charity, we've we've been going for like over 40 years, but we started offline and fairly recently moved online. And that's, you know, you need, you need to be where people are and Absolutely. people today are online. So that was very new and people were not used to working with online tools or even had, you know, the fast pace way of working that you kind of need to have in order to to exist online and Mm -hmm. stay relevant and keep people engaged. We decided to um, really focus on the culture change that would um, include a big element of digital transformation. Because we had uh, Tom Wright on previously talking about that. He came in and talked about the big kind of digital first push and stuff that you guys have been going through. So if people haven't heard that, go back and listen to what Tom has to say because it was um, really interesting about the work you guys have been doing. Mm -hmm. Sorry, carry on. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's all right. So one of the things that uh, we decided to to do was, well, actually we realised we have this really nice office space uh, in London and uh, often, because those people work from home, they're often um, empty desk spaces. So actually we started to work with other charities, Rewilding Britain and the Marine Conservation Society to kind of, uh, we thought it would be a nice uh, way to share ideas, see what other people are doing in the charity sector. And then we thought actually this would be a really, really good way to get tech digital knowledge mm-hmm. inside like under our roof Absolutely. something that we could potentially tap into um yeah but mainly at this stage we want to build uh, relationships build a network with people who are within this space um uh, and yeah that's first steps build build relationships cool so can i learn from these sort of fast-moving new tech companies and see what you guys can learn from that, see what you can give back. I think the challenge and the opportunity is like how to kind of embed something like this in the organisation. Like what do you do tangibly that enables the ambition of maybe like idea sharing or culture sharing to really come to life? Mm -hmm. And I think that can be difficult to figure out. But I mean, informally, there have been cool things like 
various members of the team have had just informal conversations with people from Friends of the Earth, mm -hmm. just talking about what we're each working on. And I think just through informal things like that, there's probably a bit of kind of knowledge sharing that happens. But I think that's what, I mean, Joanna yeah. and I are catching up on Friday to, <laughs> to like talk further about other stuff we can yeah. do. And oh. the HR team have been really keen to kind of think about how do we kind of connect Tap makeable into. to yeah. the, the organisation but it's cool. not something you do overnight no. it's no, like no, of and again, yeah, that's thinking. something that we're quite keen to do but we're obviously quite aware that you've got you know loads of things to do and you know, we don't want to uh, take too much of our time your time sorry <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I agree that's something that we we should look into and try and make it work but with time and a bit more experience maybe we'll try to be able to get good balance out of um this sort of partnership and am i right in thinking that the the um office space is part of the partnership is that right so you're now based in friends of the earth offices in london yeah. is that correct yeah so just physically being in the same space like you say you have that kind of collaboration and people can talk and learn from each other and assess each other's sides so presumably it, it works well for makeable as well learning about being inside a charity to actually kind of be with one of your potential customers to learn a lot about the way that they work yeah, that's been really, really insightful. Um, I think especially because many of the organisations we were speaking with at the beginning were smaller to medium-sized charities, whereas Friends of the Earth is large. And it means that a, one, a small charity might have one programme that they do. Friends of the Earth has five, six, seven different campaigns. Mm -hmm. And so each one of them kind mm -hmm. of behaves like a mini client. So yeah. we've been speaking with two of the campaign teams mm -hmm. about them potentially using Makeable. But then we've also, as Joanna alluded to, spoken with senior management about the organisation considering using it yeah. and with HR as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you've got, uh, so it's been educational for me and I guess like the business side of the team to think about, it is a very different set of conversations when you're speaking with a larger organisation because there's so many more considerations for them to consider. Yeah. Namely, rollout. Um, when we, I remember it was one of our volunteers back in 2015, January, who suggested that we use Slack. I remember her saying, there's this thing called Slack, consider mm -hmm. using it. And I said, create an account. I don't know what this Slack thing is. Create an account and like send it around and we'll like have a go. Mm -hmm. She was with us for like a month. She left and then... We, we've been using Slack ever since. It's killed internal email, yeah. like wouldn't look back. Uh, so rollout was kind of a, oh, that sounds cool. Let's give it a whirl. But I appreciate that a larger organization with like 150 staff can't just turn up and be like, hey, here's this thing called Makeable. Sure, like <laughs> give it a whirl. Uh, let's deploy it like mm -hmm. straight across. It requires more mm -hmm. thought. And I think I've I've learned to help organizations think about the rollout because it's as a startup myself it's not something that i'd really considered like mm. helping an organization think about that so that's just one of the insights that yeah. absolutely i've gained by being involved with a larger organization of like yep. the realities of taking an idea uh, and putting it in place because they've got other concerns that a startup or a smaller charity wouldn't have yeah. No, I mean, installing that there would be quite easy, you know, a handful of staff and they're going to start using it straight away. But you're, you're right, you know, when you have that scale of, of um, or that size of company, you've got a whole host of other problems to deal with, which are all solvable, but yeah. you've just got to think about them in different ways. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting. 
how did you choose Makeable? And there was another one as well. Is that right? Are there two that have been working with you guys? Yeah, so Tithe as well as Makeable. Actually, good question. <laughs> I know what the criteria were, but I wasn't involved personally okay. in the in the shortlisting or the ju- judging myself. I know that we're looking for like-minded organisations, not necessarily in the environmental sector, that's where we are, or not necessarily in the charity sector. But I know we've ended up being quite impressed with Makeable and we thought it would be a really good fit. Mm -hmm. Um, And also at the moment we're really keen to track our success as a charity and we thought, it could potentially be, um, Matt, you could potentially be someone we would want to uh, partner up with in the future. Cool. Do you know how many startups you looked at for the process? Yeah, so we had 13 applicants okay. and then actually I don't know how many we shortlisted, maybe four. Do you remember six Matt? in the final. Six? Yeah, yeah. Five Matt six. knows a bit better. <laughs> we yeah, there. About this than I do, yeah. And do you know what the, the makeup of those startups were, what kind of products they were doing or do you have any idea what they... I remember some of them. Do I remember the one that I thought Go was going to win. Okay. <laughs> uh, there were there were a couple that were in the environment space. Mm-hmm. There was one that was kind of an app to do with gardening, something that was kind of giving you insights back into the plants that you had. Okay. That was oh, that yeah, was interesting. I've heard about that. Uh, and then there was Tithe, which kind of like I guess like came in second, which was <laughs> a website that helped people manage their donations mm. to individual charity isn't it kind of has an api that links with the charity commission's database nice. which is really impressive mm-hmm. yeah and then yeah I, I i can't remember the others but there were definitely quite a few with an environmental yeah. bias but it was it was really good just being in the audience and hearing yeah like this just cross-section of yeah. startups again different ages yeah. like different yeah. thematic focuses but you could see how each of them could probably bring a different perspective to what Friends of the Earth does. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, I love a good pitch today, hearing people talk about the different different ideas and yeah. there's so many different ones. I mean, yeah. I've been to loads of these kind of things in the past and it's amazing some of the ideas that people have and I've been blown away by most of the presentations to see some very, very smart people out there doing cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, and even uh, the pitching event, I think it's a really good uh, way to showcase what these people are doing in this space mm. uh, internally to our charity yeah. because I guess most people we work with don't necessarily go to meetups they're not on github they don't know you know what things are happening yeah. um, that could potentially be really useful to us we're just not we just don't know yeah when Tommy was in before he was saying how you have like lunchtime uh, yeah. workshops and stuff for people coming in and um talking about different stuff like different things in digital like and vastly yeah. different subjects as well right so yeah. not just startups but all, all ways in which you could produce uh, increase your productivity or change yeah. your daily workflow that kind of stuff or ways of working or yeah. like uh, I don't know MVP yeah. uh, I don't know agile cool. things like that just things to get people thinking yeah, yeah. Uh, in like okay even if it's just one little thing like let's start having st- daily stand-ups yeah. that's a win that cool. would be re- yeah, I mean, and really that's the thing, thing. Even though these are, you know, quote unquote digital practices, like they're things that you can actually implement quite easily mm-hmm. in, in a mm-hmm. in a company that isn't digital yeah. traditionally. Yeah. Um. So you can get quite big wins quite quite easily with a, yeah. with slight changes. That's great. Um. So how has this? Um. Do you think it's been a positive thing? This this startup in residence program that you've had. 
I hope mm. the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> so, how, and how's it affected the charity, you know? I know that the whole process of, as I said, the pitching event was a really positive thing. I've heard people saying, oh, it was just a great showcase of things that are happening out there that we don't know about. On a day-to-day, we've been having talks with people higher up who, you know, are in charge of taking decisions of how we could better track our success as a charity. Mm -hmm. And that links directly to what Makeable are doing, not necessarily the startup in residency as a a project. Um, But yeah, as I said, these are really early days for us. And actually we don't necessarily know how to measure the success just yet. So we're going to run uh, a second round of the project um, over the summer. Uh, And then people will come in after in around October time. And then maybe with a round two, we'll be able to learn a bit more and um, we'll be able to understand what we want to measure in terms of success of the project i think it's hard it's an it's yeah. experiment isn't it and yeah. with any and yeah, like exactly. when you're building a product or anything you, you you try stuff out and see if it works and yeah. engage if something's gone wrong and, and yeah. try it again and, and do it differently so sounds like a very very good way to run it again and see if you can finally yeah. learn what the, the true value is to friends of the earth but it's great that you're doing another one is is there are you calling people to get involved now to kind of apply for being in um apply for the program yeah, so we uh, we want to launch applications this week. Cool. Hopefully on Wednesday, but maybe later. We're still like finalizing a few things, but it will run for like six weeks until late July, and then we'll shortlist people in August and have a pitching event in late September, and then uh, have the residency start in October these are nothing is set in stone at the moment this is these are the timings where we're we're planning for the cool. time being awesome um is there a url for the pages to go there or is that not there yet www.fo.co.uk forward slash go forward slash startup a bit clunky but that's where we're at <laughs> that works that works so much go there if you're interested go and uh, go and get your application in so um Oh, that's been really great talking to you both about this and it sounds like a, it's a really good partnership that you guys have developed and, and really good to see that it's um, going to be taken forward and carry on. So why don't you both just give us a quick detail about where we can find you online, websites, Twitter, all that kind of stuff, Matt, first. Sure. So it's Makeable, sounds a lot like Matt Keppel, uh, <laughs> and it's spelled com, and on all the social networks with that handle. You can find us at uh, fur.co.uk. Awesome. Everyone get on there and check out the amazing work the Friends of the Earth are doing. Look forward to finding out more about how this is going in the future. Uh, anyone wants to find more content, listen to more podcasts and read blogs, wearelighthouse.com forward slash blog. Um, head up there and see what's going on. If you can drop us a rating in iTunes and all that kind of stuff, that would be amazing. Uh, do tune back again for more great product podcasts in the future. I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.